Welcome to today's conversation in our After the Curve, the Changing Face of Healthcare podcast series. Today's focus is regulatory and enforcement. We're excited to bring you perspectives from McDermott's health law partners on how the regulatory landscape and enforcement priorities may shift in both the short and long term as we transition to the post-COVID-19 era. I'm Leslie Tulio, Chief Marketing Officer for McDermott. Joining us today are partners Monica Wallace and Emily Cook. Monica, Emily, thanks for being here. Emily, let's jump right in with you on enforcement. Certain federal agencies and lawmakers have indicated plans to take on robust enforcement activities. First, what does robust enforcement activities mean? And what steps can internal compliance teams take to help set up their organizations for success in that environment? Thank you, Leslie. Yes, we are expecting robust enforcement. And by robust enforcement, we really mean that we are anticipating that there will be oversight and enforcement activity from multiple state and federal agencies, and that they will be engaging in that oversight and enforcement activity fairly aggressively. And we have already seen that there are elements added to the Office of Inspector General work plan that will already be looking at use of federal funds during the pandemic and federal funds that were made available for pandemic response. So that robust enforcement activity has already kicked off and we do expect that it will continue for the foreseeable future. So in order for providers to be prepared for the robust enforcement action that we are expecting, it is important for them to understand the risks. And in order to understand the risks, providers need to understand the way in which they have responded to the public health emergency and the way in which their operations may have changed and the way in which they may have been utilizing various state and federal waivers that have been available to assist in accommodating revised healthcare practices during the pandemic. So I think what we would strongly encourage our clients and other providers to do if they have not already done so is to take an internal inventory of both the services that they have been providing during the pandemic, the way in which those services have changed in their delivery or staffing, as well as the specific ways in which those changes have relied upon waivers of federal law and regulation or state law and regulation that have been made available during the pandemic. Because in order to defend against or in order to respond to inquiries about the way in which services may have been provided, and certainly allegations that they were provided in a way that was inconsistent with federal law or regulation or state law or regulation, the provider will need to understand exactly how those services have been provided and their expectations and reliance on various waivers. This is Monica Wallace, and I think certainly to those points, we in in anticipate there'll be significant state and federal oversight here. Um, Also the risk of of private, you know, whistleblowers um, in the case of enforcement of certain areas, both the billing for services pursuant to some of these relaxed waivers, as well as the use of some of these funds that that Emily mentioned, which include the accelerated advanced payments, as well as the fairly significant and robust payments that a lot of providers receive pursuant to the CARES Act and the HHS relief funds. And so what we've been enforcing from an enforcement compliance standpoint, informing clients to do is really sort of document your understanding of the waivers at the time. We know that there's been so much change in the case of the relief funds, the FAQs, and it really is law in some respects by FAQs, 
change almost daily. And we have clients that have relied upon FAQs that then were deleted the next day. And so it really is a function of ensuring that you have a document for the file, again, whether it's use of these funds or use of various waivers that you relied upon to operate in accordance with state law during the pandemic, or to bill your commercial or government payers during the pandemic and have those files. In some cases, it might be as simple as you know, conversations that you've documented where you have reached out to various government officials back in March and April, things were very hectic, um, very chaotic. And I think now that the pandemic has gone on, obviously, you know, people now have some room to sort of buffer their files and ensure they've documented what they've relied upon, what they have used, how they met and satisfied these various requirements. The other thing is, in addition to waivers where they might have been more useful and lenient to providers. There are certain providers and suppliers out there that had sort of increased activities such as nursing homes and skilled nursing facilities. So they are subject to potentially additional elements during the time of COVID where they have to demonstrate compliance, not just how do you take advantage of these relaxed uh, waivers, but also how do you ensure that you are meeting these new heightened standards during COVID to protect patients. So you both have already touched a bit on the fact that things are changing really rapidly, right? That FAQs are disappearing or were disappearing potentially overnight. But to be more specific on that quick transition front, Monica, maybe you can pick up on that thread. As these regulations and oversight activities like audits and surveys transition back to normal um, or whatever the new normal might be, what suggestions do you have for organizations that need to stay on top of the changes to avoid those enforcement actions? Sure. And this this dovetails too with what Emily said earlier is number one, there was a period of time where the government was trying to stop historical surveys, reviews, billing reviews, so that people could really sort of catch their breath and, and figure out what was happening during the pandemic. We are now seeing an uptick in those you know historical surveys and uh, payer reviews. And so people need to be cognizant of, of what things are occurring, you know, before COVID hit and what rules they are subject to that have nothing to do with the COVID periods of time and be mindful that they could be subject to audits that they have to deal with for historical issues and historical behavior before the pandemic hit in March. I think with respect to future audits, that's where that documentation comes into compliance. It's, it's critical that years from now, when people are undergoing reviews, um, claims that were submitted during the time of the pandemic, that they have the documentation to support, that they satisfied certain waivers where applicable, that they use modifiers where necessary. Because again, everything has a, a look back period and things were very different during the pandemic for however long it goes on for. And so I think during this period of time, providers and suppliers were having to navigate both life before before COVID hit and life during COVID, and they're going to be subject to audit and enforcement of both of those periods. And we would be remiss to point out that the enforcement for however long this period goes on for is going to be extending pretty far into the future. So they're really going to have to toggle those two periods of time. And again, compliance officers and others within the organizations that really are in a position to document what was changed and how they satisfied those changes to the best of their ability, knowing that things certainly were great for a while, will be in the best position to one, unwind when we have to unwind and two, to defend if there is something down the pipeline. So Emily warned me as we were coming into this conversation that the theme of this podcast was going to be document, document, document. And I've, I've heard it at least 10 or 12 times so far already. So it's, it's definitely sticking with me. But Emily, I would be remiss not to give you an opportunity to jump in on this question and continue to talk about the importance of documentation. 
Sure. So I, I do think that that is it's really one of the key take-home messages of this discussion is that things have been changing very rapidly, both in terms of the guidance that is available from government authorities, in terms of the way in which providers have needed to respond. And because of that rapid pace of change, it has been very difficult in some cases to ensure that there is an appropriate record being kept of the services that were provided and the need for those services. And while certainly patient care does need to come first, unfortunately, when you are looking back retrospectively, as Monica mentioned, you do need to have that record to be able to show to the regulating body as to why something occurred and why you believed at the time that it was appropriate. So while, again, certainly patient care should come first, the need to ensure that you are appropriately documenting and providing those services consistent with state and federal laws, including in in connection with any waivers, is extremely important as well. I think the other thing that we have really noticed in the course of the pandemic and the pandemic response is that Oftentimes, healthcare providers are providing services in various locations through various providers to various patient populations. And on a day-to-day basis, that may be changing fairly rapidly, even outside of the pandemic environment. And the pandemic has really heightened the awareness within healthcare organizations of the need to understand their own operations, which, again, in some cases, there just may simply not be the structure and bandwidth on a day-to-day basis to do that, but it really is highlighting the importance of really knowing your entity, knowing the services you're providing, and having that framework to ensure that you're providing them in a compliant manner. So again, document, document, document is really the best advice that we can offer. I will say, secondarily to document, 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 (laughs) is be responsive. So I will say one other tip that I do have for folks right now is that we have seen enforcement actions and government inquiries and routine audits resuming, again, both at the federal and the state level. We do have many providers who are still very much in the depths of their pandemic response. And that changes where it is in the country on a day-to-day basis, depending on what the infection rates look like and the way in which services are being provided. But if you do receive an inquiry from an oversight body, it is very important to ensure that you are responsive. Many of them are being accommodating to requests for extensions due to the pandemic. It is ongoing. Um, We are still in a public health emergency, but it is important to not assume that because there is a public health emergency ongoing right now, that there is not a need to respond. So do ensure that if you are receiving requests for audits, inquiries from federal or state agencies, that if there is an opportunity to request an extension and you need a request, to request an extension that you do that, but do not simply disregard or not respond to those inquiries simply under the assumption that everybody is short on staff due to the pandemic. Perfect. So you also just preempted my last question there, Emily, nicely, which is usually what are the, the two or three key takeaways, right, for, for health leaders right now on the regulatory and enforcement front. But I very clearly got document, 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 and be responsive. Monica, do you want to bring us home in terms of sharing a few key takeaways or top of mind thoughts from your perspective on this topic? Sure. I think it's also lessons learned. Um, I mean, we're anticipating that in light of the the pandemic, there's going to be future requirements issued by various, you know, government, state, local, federal levels about pandemic response. And how do we not go through, if we can avoid it, how do we learn from this? And I think not only are we going to be anticipating, you know, what the government officials are saying with respect to what we expect organizations to do in order to help prevent 
sort of mass chaos in the future and, and learn from what we've, we've been through in the last six months. But I think at the individual organizational level too, in terms of what things worked for individual organizations, how quickly were they able to pivot? Were they able to get their documentation, as we talked about, um, their medical record systems in a place that was able for them to operate and, and document the changes that were being made? Were they able to understand what their current operations were and how they could quickly take advantage of some of the relief that was attempting to be offered by various government officials? And so I think it really is being on the lookout for the lessons learned that the government's going to input upon organizations in the future, and also being mindful of what what people have identified as is what worked and what didn't work, and how to you know fix things for the future to the extent we have to deal with this again. Perfect. Thank you both. Some very I think practical um, things for folks to think about and take away um, when they're dealing with these issues. Emily, Monica, thank you so much for sharing your insights and your industry perspectives today, and thanks too to our listeners for joining us. For more insight and analysis on the state of healthcare after the curve, you can check out McDermott's Healthcare and Life Sciences News blog at healthcarelifesciencesnews.com. This material is for general information purposes only and should not be construed as legal advice or any other advice on any specific facts or circumstances. No one should act or refrain from acting based upon any information herein without seeking professional legal advice. McDermott, Will, and Emery makes no warranties, representations, or claims of any kind concerning the content herein. McDermott, Will, and Emery and the contributing presenters or authors expressly disclaim all liability to any person in respect of the consequences of anything done or not done in reliance upon the use of contents included herein. Copyright 2020, McDermott, Will, and Emery. All rights reserved. Any use of these materials, including reproduction, modification, distribution, or republication without the prior written consent of McDermott, Will, and Emery is strictly prohibited. This may be considered attorney advertising. Prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome.